Hey, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. So, you know, this show is, uh, it's a little different. Um, And I say that because for this podcast to work, I really believe that it's important to be transparent and to be open and to be honest. Um, And my goal when creating this was the belief that what makes a great athlete makes a great person. And by bringing in experts, thought leaders, interesting personalities, we could introduce listeners to new ideas that would help them hopefully reach their athletic goals, but more importantly, become a better person. And I'm really excited to say that after having numerous conversations, I think this is show 15. Like I I really believe that's true. And then we, we've had a tough week. Um, you know, and I've mentioned before that when we record most of these, it's at least a few weeks in advance. You know, I'm pretty honest. I got a full-time job, three kids at home, you know, my wife and I, we've got a lot on our plate and I was finishing up the production for this episode. Uh, this is Monday night when I'm recording this and we were getting ready to release it for tomorrow morning. And I was just not happy with the message that we were going to be putting out there. And I'll tell you why. Um, Because this show would have been released without acknowledging the tragedy of George Floyd's death uh, and and the painful fallout that has followed across the country and across the world. Um, And I love podcasts. And I firmly believe that shows like this, hopefully, you know, to those listening, can be an opportunity to get away from your day-to-day for a bit, a place where hopefully you come to hear an enjoyable conversation. You know, you hear us talk to someone who hopefully it sparks an idea or a passion. You find something that resonates and you can take that and you can use it to improve your own life. Yeah, I really believe that. And I I really hope that's what some of these uh, guests are creating for you and and you're taking that with you. Um, I also believe you know, I would have been done everyone who is listening to this a disservice if I didn't acknowledge the heartbreak and the disillusion and the understandable anger that has gripped our country this last week. Um, you know, personally, I'm, I'm heartbroken over it. And I hate to see so many suffering and so many people feeling that they're without a voice. And I think the pent up anger and backlash that we see spilling out into cities all over America is a result of that. You know, I like so many, you know, I hurt for those who are subjected to prejudice and racism. And as a father, um, I can't help but think, you know, what kind of world are we leaving for our children? Uh, you know, I don't think it's news to anybody. I'm white. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I was fortunate enough to go to an Ivy League school. Uh, I wouldn't count myself as someone who had the world handed to him, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a lot of advantages as well, just by sheer luck of where I was born, uh, you know, in my background. Um, 
and I'm grateful for that, but I've, I've also thought a lot about what am I doing to make this world better? What kind of example am I setting for my kids? You know, and, and what kind of world are we going to leave behind for them? Um, yeah, it's just really struck a chord with me today. And, you know, I have so many friends <laughs> who are just, you know, I mean, of every race, of every background, and it just really pains me to know what they're going through. I, I can't understand it. I can't relate to it. I can do my best to empathize. And so I've really been thinking about this, you know, hey, what what can I do? You know, of the platform that I have, what can I do? How, how can I help improve this situation, if at all? And, you know, what I think you can do and the message that I'm hearing from those who are hurting is, hey, just speak up, you know, engage in the conversation, lend your support and voice and your spirit to those who are demanding justice. And I, I don't think it's that much to ask. Um, you know, I never condone violence. Uh, I, I also fear that what we're seeing spill over into the streets might very well detract us from the true conversation. <sighs> but people are frustrated. And I get it. You know, so what I believe what we can do is, you know, there needs to be a communication of just kindness and compassion and empathy and understanding, you know, it, love and understanding is a powerful thing and it feels like we're divided right now. And I know people are struggling. Uh, I'm struggling. So, you know, this is a somber start. I apologize if that's not what you came here for, but man, I started this podcast because I want to help people and I think it would be a disservice, you know, to not acknowledge that there's a lot of people hurting out there. So if you're struggling, my thoughts and my prayers are with you. You know, we're thinking about you guys, everyone who works on the show, my wife, my brother, who's an audio engineer. You know, anyone who's touching the show, we think about you guys, you know, and hopefully like so many of the other great things that have come from the show, I hope if nothing else, you know, put a little, put a little kindness and empathy back into the world because God, you know, the world show needs it right now. So with that, luckily we do have an incredible, incredible show today. And this is one that I've been looking forward to recording and releasing for a really long time. Uh, today's guest is someone who I've already mentioned on countless episodes. You were probably, you might have very well been aware of him before I even mentioned him on the podcast. His name is Cal Dietz, and he's the head Olympic strength and conditioning coach at the University of Minnesota. He's been there now for 20 years. He's worked with every team from hockey, basketball, golf, swimming, you name it, this guy's coached it. And not only coached, I mean, he, he's doing it at an incredibly high level. I mean, numerous collegiate champions and All-Americans. He's also worked with a number of Olympic and world champions. And then he consults today actively with professional athletes in the NHL, NFL, NBA, and MLB. And that's because he is among the best in the game. 
He's also the co-author and creator of the transformational book, Triphasic Training. I won't, I won't restate how much I'm a fan of the methodology. Uh, you can go back and listen to previous episodes on it. But, oh, man, is it effective? It's fun. It's a new perspective. And like he talks about in the show today, you can integrate it into your own program, which I think is just fantastic. There's a lot of flexibility. And it's so effective. And he's also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that he's also the strength and conditioning coach for the U.S. women's national hockey team. So we have a great conversation and it really is a fun and upbeat one, you know, but just when it was recorded, we didn't have the context of everything that was going on in the world at that time. So I wanted to let listeners know that Uh, we talk a lot about aerobic capacity, interestingly enough, and stress and I think there's a lot anyone can take from it. So if you're not someone who's hitting the gym regularly or you're not into weight training, uh, please stick around because, man, this is a good one. And it's so applicable just to all aspects of life. And we do touch on, you know, how an elevated heart rate can impact your decisioning. And, you know, he even messages how that impacts special forces. So, you know, again, just remember everything that was that was talked about was prior to all of this happening. Um, So please just keep it in context. But. Man, it's a really, really good one. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating. I can't thank everyone enough who's reached out. We really appreciate it. It lets us know that the message that we're putting out there is is resonating with people. Because after all, this is for you. Otherwise, it's just uh, it's just me tracking down really interesting people and, and tricking them to talking to me for an hour. So uh, I'm so glad it's resonating. Uh, if you feel like doing it, leave us a review, leave a rating and and give us a follow wherever you're listening. So on that note, without further ado, uh, we got a great show. So let's please welcome Cal Dietz. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk. Uh, hey, Cal. How you doing, man? Thank you for joining the show. I'm um, glad to be here, man. Always excited, and it's a pleasure to chat with you. And we're, uh, I'm, I'm really uh, hoping to uh, give some people some ideas today and hear about some of my training methods that I've, I've come up with. And I appreciate you uh, giving me that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say how I actually found out about you. Because um, I've already touted your name on this show, probably like three or four different episodes. Uh, I was training for like a modified decathlon. So it's for like weekend warriors like myself. It's for charity. It's, it's a cool event because it's like a modified NFL combine mixed with some of the traditional track events. Right. So yeah. they don't let folks like myself throw a javelin, but we get to do like the 40 yard dash, the 400. And there's a strength component. So you do like bench and pull-ups and then you also do like a 500 meter row all in one day. So it's pretty taxing. Sure. And I had a phenomenal high school track and football coach. Um, his name's Judd Hunter. Shout out to Judd. He was a long jump national champion in college. He's just absolute stud and he, he loves this stuff. And I was like, Judd, I'm, I'm trying to get back in shape. I was like, do you have any recommendations for a guy like myself? And he was like, you got to look up Cal Dietz. He's like, look up what he's doing with triphasic training. I've got all my high school kids doing it. He's like, the results are phenomenal. So that's actually kind of how I found out about you. And I was so excited because I, let's see, stopped playing college. My, my last year of college football was 2009, 2010. I should know that. 
And so I was like, well, not that much could have changed, but let me just kind of see what's out there. And when I picked up triphasic training and I started reading through it, I was like, holy shit. I was like, where, where was this when I was playing? Right. So I've, I've had an absolute blast, man, reading your stuff. Um, and, and I've gotten a couple of your books and uh, I'll let you talk here in a second. But what I want to say is I appreciate how applicable and how digestible you make what could be really complex concepts. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just, you know what? Well, and, and I didn't share everything, obviously, and people think I'm triphasic, but when you read all my manuals, I've made eight of them, right? And mm-hmm. Maybe another book in the future. You're, you're just like, and I have, honestly, in my head, I have a number of books laid out, but will I get to them? I don't know. I'm a busy coach, right? That's what I do. So, um, I'm not interested in writing books. However, I do realize that this stuff needs to get out to people. So that, um, uh, I mean, I hate to, you know, uh, honestly, I just had a coach from Korea and he's, he, he lectures all over Korea for coaches and his basic foundation is triphasic, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I have coaches all over the world emailing me all the time saying, Hey, thank you. Um, what triphasic is. Uh, and it's, it's like, I have, you know, sure. I'm the author. Sure. I kind of came up with it, but ultimately it's accumulation of thousands of athletes on an experimental basis. Right. Yeah. Probably 30 full-time coaches that have worked with me as my assistants and then hundreds of interns. Yeah to help build what I've done today. And I'm, I'm not just triphasic, right? Like you, you yeah. read my speed manual and you see those spring ankle and we, we got, we got to talk about those. Those are the most Absolutely. things, but we'll get to that. Right. But you know, you're sitting here, you're going and, and like, um, I, I'm just fortunate that honestly, I think it's one of the most widely used concepts in the world for sports right now, sports training. And it's not a program. That's what people understand. Like your high right. school coach, he, he has his own program. He just slid the concepts into it, right? Yep. Let's be honest. And, and that's what makes it unique. Um, I, I I did it backwards. I did it forward. I did it many ways. And mm. I, I was doing it probably 18, 19 years ago. Wow. I didn't even give it a name until about nine years ago. No kidding. Yeah. And then the, or 10 probably. And then the book came out, um, which made it, public and it was hard right I, I even started lecturing on it and people just didn't get it and i'm like all right <laughs> i mean some people did but some people weren't so sure yeah you know? yeah so anyway i'm just fortunate that well knowing what's happened for me is that it's introduced some pretty elite coaches to yeah. me, right so i mean literally last summer i think i had four coaches from over outside the country visit me Oh, and cool. then they go, yeah, what about this? And I'm going, oh, okay, yeah, this is a real deal. Or, And then he give you a different thinking. And, you know, so um, what Caldeets comes up with is not necessarily what Caldeets' mind comes up with, right? Uh, honestly, I have a formula for, for how I come up with all this stuff. Okay. And it's pretty simple. I literally question everything I do. Yeah. Okay. And when I question everything I do, creates problems I didn't know I had. Hmm. And then I make solutions. And that's simple. So I question everything I do. Yeah. Which creates problems I didn't know I had. <laughs> and then I make solutions. And those solutions are creative sometimes. Sometimes they're they're terrible. Yeah. 
but then I get to better <laughs> I solutions. Say, I say, yeah, not like I know your solutions are terrible. Just right, right. <laughs> but, but, well, well, no, you see the end product of those solutions, right? right? You see the four of the hundred solutions that were bad. You only yeah. see the good four, yeah. right? <laughs> like, 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 so, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I sit here and people think you're mine. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to know my mind. Like, uh, But I do have good days when I say that. Like, there's days where there was one day a few months ago before the virus struck and I read something at like 7.30 in the morning and I ran to the back room and I didn't have any athletes. This was a Thursday because we got a mm-hmm. game Friday and I had nothing really. Um, that particular day, everyone's healthy, didn't have any rehab. So then what happens is at 5.30 in that room, I had three grease boards filled up, all my notes, two laptops open, and I realized I hadn't ate or drank yet. <laughs> Right. And those are the days I live for. The the beautiful mind. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you're just going, and I got into some stuff, right. And you're just going, man, if, if almost like two or three days a week, I could do this, you know, but, but like coaching gets in the way of that sometimes too, you know, cause you just can't do it. Like you got 35 athletes coming in throughout a four hour period and you just can't do that. So yeah. Yeah. Those are the things. And I'd love to ask you too, your approach, because one of the things that I I get from your reading is one, a lot of what you're doing is is grounded in a tremendous amount of research. Um, But what is also really interesting, and you already kind of touched on it, was it it appears like there's a ton of experimentation happening. So when you question things, I guess, you know, what is your approach to then trying to validate them or or disprove them or or I guess just challenge them? Well, um, when you say research, yep, I'll read the research, but then the researchers, I mean, they don't have the application that I have, right? So mm. that's the big thing. Um, that's the hard part, you know, where I think there's a little disconnect where I can sit there and the researcher, oh, I'm going to look at this. I'm like, it won't work. There's just no way. I've never mm. seen that concept. And, and uh, so, for example, and then I do have a lot of testing equipment that I can test stuff, right? And I may run a test on 30 people and and this is this is the particular case 26 times, uh, you know, had great results. And I'm like, it's good enough for me. I don't have to validate it. Like if it gets me and my number one job is to win medals, to win championships. Right. right. That's all that I'm here for. And look, man, like once you get to a specific level, I'll give you an example of specificity. Yeah, please. But like once you get to a high level that I'm dealing with what works for the rest of the world may not work for the best athlete in the world on a particular instance. Hmm. Okay. So, so here was this, this, this caught my eye probably seven, eight, nine years ago, eight years ago, a friend of mine now, Hank, uh, Krasinoff, he's a Holland sprint. He's a sprint coach from Holland. Hmm. He had, he won 18 Olympic medals. And on my opinion, he's one of the best coaches in the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And Hank told me a story where he was training Nelly Kuminati. I believe Nelly Kunin, but she was the, she was like, she, she held the world record, I think, in indoor 60 and is a world meter 60 in champion. Oh, wow. But in the hundred meters, she, she took second, I think in two world championships or maybe in the Olympics too. So she would slow down and, and she wasn't built to run top end speed. Hmm. Well, so what he did was he broke up the hundred and he analyzed it. Okay. Her first hundred is really good. Her second hundred is, is slower. He's like, okay, so he's a genius. He's like, I just checked my friends, you know, just threw some ideas out there. Yep. Increase a little bit of, of, of the drill work for the, the, this end of the, the hundred meter, the second phase. So here's how specific it gets. He did that drill work and she increased two tenths in her second 50. 
but it was so specific, but yet it actually hurt her short sprint. So where she put three tenths onto her first 50. So you see the interesting paradigm between elite people and like, not that a, somebody that works at a desk can't be elite, right? You just maybe have never brought it out or, or, or your responses. So when I say, you know, I research, but like you have to look and, and Hank brought this to my attention. He was like, and I kind of never thought of it this way, but I, I, I did it. Every workout is like a biological experiment. Hmm. So I have 20 kids in the room and I have machines that measure heart rate variability, brainwaves. And there was times where I, I measured one person seven times their heartbeat and their, their, their brainwaves, seven tests on a uh, heart rate variability device in one day. Because I watched the workout, pre-workout. I watched post-workout. I watched every two hours after that to see how the entire organism responded. And then I'm like, oh, this is how it responds. And that's great. Well, I did it again. And guess what? It was different. No kidding. Each so the same human- different person person. so yeah so that's the beauty of this whole thing is like i don't think there'll ever be a final answer but now there are workouts that you can do that you know theoretically most biological adaptions that are going to happen but i you know you just still don't know Hmm. because the other variable is you had a long work day and you're going to respond different to that workout than if you got up in the morning had your coffee we did a nice walk got a good meal and did your workout at 10 Yeah. versus you do that workout at five 30 at the end of a day. When, when I tell people like it was a bad day because you know, it wasn't all these things I dealt with weren't my fault, but they were my problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, <laughs> so it wasn't my fault, but it is my problem, right? That's a classic. Absolutely. Hey, you're like, that workout's terrible and that workout's going to be harder for you. You know what I mean? So, yeah. that, you know, this is what we got to be aware of a little bit when, when you're dealing with people like with, high schedules and stuff like listen to your body a little bit to make sure that you don't and then the hard part is if you kill yourself in that workout yeah the next day you go back to work you're not going to be mentally as sharp either so that's actually i'm glad you brought that up um and I, like i said your your books are great and one thing that you kind of made reference to was that like stress is cumulative and, and it's not just physical stress right it's like yeah like uh, relationships work school, whatever it may be, like all those things factor in to kind of like your current state. And I've, I've, I've tried to pay more attention to that. Um, and I, to your point, like I try to be a little bit smarter about listening to my body. I mean, can, can you talk a little bit about like, just to what an extent it, it's all kind of tied together and, and maybe even how you take that into consideration for some of the athletes you work with? Yeah, um, really, I mean, they, so, so I do have devices and measurements, but, but nowadays I'm pretty good at guessing. And, and literally when I see an athlete walk in the door, I'll, mm. I'll look at their posture. I'll look at their, you know, movements, the way they're interacting. And it doesn't take me long because I know an athlete walk in great posture every day, boom, boom. And all of a sudden it's just, even the walk's a little different, right? Yeah. So this was just 20 years of coaching, right? 24 probably. And I'm sitting there going, all right, something's not right. I can, and I'm like, how are you today? And then that first interaction, oh, I'm fine. And that maybe even sugarcoat it, but you're going, all right, something's wrong. And then you, you, you get to talking to him and yeah, well, I, I broke up with my girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. really stressful. So, it's, yeah. For that person at that time, that's oh, <laughs> it's well, a huge deal. How about this one though? So it can go either way. 
I've had girls walk in all springy and jumping like, yeah, I broke up with my boyfriend last night. And she's all, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like, well, that's a good thing then, right? You know what yeah, I mean? So that's, it's, it's, it's really your interpretation uh, of what happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Seriously, yeah. people's, um, the people, the people's interpretation. So, so when I say that, like breaking up with a boyfriend could be really good for you or really bad for you. Right. Seen it. So, it, you know, you now everybody, I think pretty standard, you know, you got a sick kid at home as a parent, you're, you're stressed. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no doubt. Right. Yep. Plus, selfishly, you didn't get any sleep that night. Right. So, I mean, you didn't you're get any descri- sleep. You're describing me today. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, so how do you combat that? Well, here, here's my thing. What I do with my elite athletes, and I think this is what everybody should do. Hmm. So you're going to go to a gym and let's say, what, what do you think the most workouts for your listeners are? Like, are they short lactate, CrossFit? It could be a number of things, right? Yeah, it's a number of things. Yeah, I, I think uh, the majority of people that I talk with, and now I'm thinking about my knucklehead friends, it's like they're getting in that hard hour at the gym. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's my thing, and, and it's in my triphasic tactical manual for, for special forces operators that I wrote. Hmm. And when they walk in, and they're they're the most stressed human beings on the planet. Okay. Oh God, I can only. Well, yeah, be, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, it's not even like what they do. And sure, there's live bullets running around, and and things are happening. There's live drills and and stuffs like crazy, chaotic. Yeah, it's it's dealing with that because they operate that. A lot of them operate in that in a high level. They can manage that. Yeah. It's when they go home after a long day. And they got kids and everything on top of that, right? Um, yeah. And they're more stressed. I'm not saying it, the stress doesn't affect them, but then it starts to affect the home life and that's how everything. So yeah. in that manual is the Trivasi Tactical we talked about was uh, if you walk into that workout and you're stressed and let's say it's at the end of the day and you were going to do a, like, let's say you're going to do some, uh, let's say a CrossFit workout where it's pretty intense and you're building a ton of lactate. You at that point you're going to beat yourself up is what I found, and it takes two to three days to recover, hmm. if you even do until the weekend. So what we do is I just tell people to default to an aerobic workout. Oh, on a on a day where you might know you, you know. know you're stressed. Yeah, you walk in and you know you're stressed at the end of a day, or you woke up last like or last the night before. You know, hey, I was going to have a great day. I'm going to have a great workout tomorrow, and then your kid keeps you up four out of the eight hours. You can't go do your normal intense interval workout. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying is you can get a good cardio workout in. Right. But it won't, the, the, the aerobic work will help you reset your whole system that day. Mm. So then you can go the next day and maybe get a good interval workout in. Got it. So if you're stressed and people in this podcast, and when I say this, I'll give you the guidelines. Like, so yeah, my athletes, please. so like, okay, my athlete was going to come in and he was going to do it. Let's say an ass kicker. Can I say that stuff on here? Yeah, man. Okay, 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 good. Uh, <laughs> ass kicker workout where his heart rate was going to get to 180 at times and back down, right? Yeah. But I know that they had a stress day exam week. I've, I've done, I do this on exam weeks. I, I switched to completely aerobic. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I felt more injuries in our workouts or more injuries on practice in exam week. This has been wow. studied. Uh, Brian Mann out of uh, Mizzou, he did a you're more li- they were more likely during midterms to get injured than in oh, football I camp. It. Than in football camp two days. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, it sounds crazy, but like having gone through it myself, one, you're not sleeping. You're probably dehydrated, right? Right. And you're and stressed. And stressed. Yeah. So, so this is the part of stress that we have to manage. So, so then what you do, instead of doing that workout, getting your heart rate to 180, 190, you set a guidelines of your aerobic zone, which in most cases for most people would be 120 to 160. Hmm. Now you can do the same workout, but don't let your heart rate get out of the 160 zone. Uh, okay. If you're really stressed, I would yeah. recommend drop it to 140. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, and people go, oh, so I wouldn't lift as much. Like, let, let me give you this example. Um, I have one workout that's done by uh, like a number of NFL um, strength coaches who who th- they build their aerobic base with this. So they have a lineman that walks in. And the catch is, is they need to get this guy in shape, but they still want him to lift weights and get strong, but they don't want to make him run miles because that beats him up. Well, here's an example of an aerobic workout while you're weightlifting. Now, you can do a weight circuit. You can you can take your CrossFit, just lighten the load a little bit, wear heart rate monitor. Just keep your heart rate under 160. Mm. If you're really beat up, keep it under 140. But continuous, you can keep it there the whole time and never stop yeah. moving, right? So you can turn it into more of a uh, aerobic base because people will ask me like I got in a fight with an exercise physiologist I had a 50 minute circuit set up with my athletes <laughs> like they they're like well that's not aerobic work they didn't go out and run I'm like wait a minute the heart rate was at 160 beats a minute for 50 minutes on the circuit right the heart didn't know you were jogging yeah yeah Right? You see what I'm saying? So the cardio, you you can get cardio work in the gym as long as you just mm-hmm. monitor your heart rate. So now, um, my I guess like this 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 NFL workout is it's pretty simple. It's in my GPP manual, uh, general fitness manual, is yeah. where like an athlete will get on the bench and do one rep at 50%. So let's say you you squat 400, or you bench 300 and you squat five. So you use about 50% load. So you put 150 on the bench and you put um, 250 on the squat. And these linemen will go for seven minutes. They'll do one rep on the bench, one hmm. rep on the squat. As fast as they can, they go back and forth on one reps hmm. for seven minutes. Heart rate gets to 160 during oh, the bet. So what's the difference of him jogging seven minutes at 160 or right. doing that? There is no difference for the heart. Yeah. Which is what you're trying to train, right? Which With is what you're work. trying to train. And the yeah. cardiopulmonary, you see what I mean? So, so back to the main point is the main point is you walk in, you know your shot, adjust your workout accordingly. Mm-hmm. And you get up above 160 doing something, work on your breathing, get it right back down and go to work. So, well, okay, 160 and then maybe I, you let it fall to 140 and then you start your next set and you go back, you, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just, and, and here's the deal. When you're stressed and you get into that high, I call it the lactate zone. You know, everyone knows, understands maybe that. You're just beating yourself up so much that you losing the ability to recover and perform well the next day. Hmm. So I, it's so interesting to hear you say that because, and again, like I, you know, I'm going to mention your background in the intro, but uh, you know, strength Olympic strength coach at the University of Minnesota. I mean, you know, author of these books. You work with the uh, it's. Do you work with the men's or the women's Olympic hockey team or both? Uh, the women's Olympic team, uh, national team USA. Yeah, I, yeah. I do work with them. Yes. Yeah, and so I think there's like this. Uh, it's persisted, but this this old school mentality of like you just work through it. 
like no matter what, just work through it. Like you just work twice as hard that day. That's actually the day you probably need it more. Right. I know where, where what I'm hearing from you and what I've actually found to be true of myself, one, cause I'm getting older and like, I just have way more stress than I used to. Is, and what I'm hearing is like, no, like listen to your body. Like don't beat yourself up unnecessarily kind of like live to fight another day. Almost. I hope I'm yeah. not putting it in your No, you're not. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're a high performer at work, like you can't beat yourself up so that you make unrational decisions the next day, do the mm. aerobic work. And I'll be honest with you, as we get older, we lose aerobic capacity. Hmm. Honestly, that's what we lose, in my opinion. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So to me, the aerobic work becomes more important as you get older. Hmm. All right. And then the aerobic work flushes things out. Like, I, I, I mean, you could study the healthy effects of aerobic work. You know what I mean? And, and here's the deal. When people do the lactate workouts and, and you got a guy that recovers faster than the guy beside him. It's because his aerobic base is bigger. Hmm. So, so your aerobic base. So, so in our sport, it's um, the research is coming out now that the team that can run the fastest at the end of the game is the team that wins. If if most things are equal, right? right. It's pretty simple. It makes sense. Why do they run faster? Because they have a larger aerobic base. Hmm. Yes. That's interesting. So when you say aerobic base, you mean even in a sport like, I mean, I, oh, basketball and soccer are so aerobic. Those are terrible. Yeah, aerobic. yeah. Let's say even football, right? Yeah. So the team that's in more fit at yeah. the end of the game yeah, and can run at the highest levels will most likely. And it's just an indicator that they have a larger base and a better okay. fitness level. Yeah. Right? So that then when they can keep reproducing that effort, it's called repeated sprintability. So yeah. you're ability to keep repeating that high level effort again and again. And if you don't have an aerobic base, if you don't have a foundation for aerobics, you can't do that again and again. So when you say build an aerobic base, are, are we really talking about like what I, people would think of like something, you know, over two minutes or I guess what it was the threshold. It's like over, it's over like 45 seconds or to get into like an aerobic, what would you consider like an aerobic workout? Well, I, I just consider it, uh, I'll be honest with you, once they get their heart rate above 110, like, okay. so, so, I, so during this pandemic here, right? Yeah. I, I, I have a guy that, that has, uh, he was an aerobic freak because he did, he was a, he's a martial artist, right? And that's all he does, teach martial arts. And he goes and he was an, or not aerobic freak, but he was a interval freak because he would, mm. that's what he, that's how he trained. But he goes to do a six-mile hike with me, and his resting heart rate's at 150 during the average. The average. <laughs> and he's in shape on intervals. Right. But he's 48 years old. Huh. And, and it's like – so it was an hour and 45-minute hike up and down hills, but his yeah. heart rate was that high. After just two weeks, uh, three weeks of doing that, his heart rate has gone down to about 130 instead of 150 he has a bigger aerobic base right so yeah. he's just doing those long duration workouts and, and 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 actually i can cover how i would optimally do the aerobic workout okay yeah i would love to hear yeah, that yeah, yeah, and yeah. and let me throw this at you too so i mentioned that i did that decathlon part two two of the yeah. events the 400 meter which, which is after, a brutal which after my senior year in high school i promised myself i would never do that again in my life and i remember why every year when i run it uh, and then the 500 meter row, 
<laughs> so, so I want to know from you both on the same day, and I puke every time, but I wanted to hear from you, like, you know, how do you approach that? And I would I'd be interested, you mentioned like lactate and the lactate threshold. How do you go about training yeah. that? Well, so again, the foundation of that, in my opinion, so that you can repeat those efforts or you can do what holds lactate off actually is if you have a larger aerobic base, hmm. then you won't shift over to lactate as quickly. Okay. Okay. So now, um, I will, I do a couple of things, uh, but, but you just got to train specifically with that interval. Okay. So let's okay. say you're 400. I've trained some guys who ran it in 44, 48, five. I don't think you ran in that. Am I right? Uh, I think you could probably <laughs> safely add another 15, <laughs> hey, okay, just check it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, man, these guys are world champs in the 400. Like, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So like, that's a whole different monster, right? Yeah. Obviously. I mean, they yeah. were wired. Oh boy. Adam and Mitch, they were unbelievable. So anyway, Incredible. long story. Um, yeah. Right. So, so then you would, you would work on it, training that. And, and sometimes you would do 20 second sprints. Sometimes you do 40 second sprints. Sometimes you do 60, but, but and maybe set the pace a little lower, mm-hmm. but if that's your goal, then, then you want to, you obviously want to work at that interval and you have to, you have to work hard. Okay. Now, um, a couple things there is that, you know, and, and I'll be honest with you, 400 meters might be the worst thing in sports. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's terrible. It's, it's well, absolutely because terrible. you run so hard, so fast, 800, your intensity's down because you can't keep right. up. But the 400 meter guys, you're talking about you. I, I use this analogy. You're basically trying to turn yourself inside out. Yeah. Those guys are animals. Well, well same with, at least for this you know, this time frame. same with like my Olympic swimmer, David Plummer, um, won a gold medal in the last summer Olympics and, uh, a bronze mm. and he's a backstroker in, you know, 50 seconds of turning oh. yourself inside out in those yeah. short sprints. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's crazy. And you're going and like, you'd get out, he'd get out and he'd be done. You'd watch his heart. And you're just like, oh, wow, he's an animal. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah. and that's the thing. And, and you just do your short interval training and, and that's good to do, but you still got to practice the skill. Um, one thing that I, we did, uh, and it would probably help your population here was, so for example, let's say you do a bike and I just use the bike. Let's say you're going to do intervals for running, but maybe today you're going to train the bike and you're going to go 40 mm-hmm. seconds. So you sprint that bike for 40 seconds and then you jump off and you, what you walk around to kind of flush it out. Mm-hmm. Well, the theory is that that bike or, or let's say when you ran, let's say you're running 40 seconds or biking, it doesn't matter, that you created that lactate, that burn sensation in your legs, right? And, and mm-hmm. we're going to associate with lactate. It might be ammonia, regardless. But okay. people say, okay, you walk around, you flush it out, and then you, in a couple minutes or three or four, you go again. And if you really want to do it well, you'd wait two to five minutes, let it clear out. But here's the deal. You want to get better at managing that lactate. So when, and, and this is done all across the world where people just get done and they'll walk to move it out. Hmm. One of the things I came across from a coaching friend of mine, um, he was like, well, do we really want to get that out of there? Because of the adaptation potential. So you do a hmm. spike sprint for 40 seconds or you sprint for 40 seconds. Why flush that out? You, what you do is you squat down into a deep position hmm. and hold that and you entrap that lactate in your legs. Yeah. 
So the burn's still in there, and then your muscles start to adapt without doing more exercise. Interesting. So if that's your goal, and let's say you're doing CrossFit and you're going to go to your first CrossFit thing and, and yeah. you're doing some leg training and you get that burn, well, maybe in training at some point before the game or the before the competition, you entrap that to cause the adaptations at a high level. Huh. I actually have an article on it I can send you. Yeah. And, done. If you want to link it to, to the, the – I would love to. I yeah. put that in the show You can up. see how I do it. And then – but and, and like let's say you're going to go to a CrossFit Games and you want to do this. You would stop that method four weeks before the Games. Okay. You want to do it four to eight weeks away hmm. because the adaptation will take place. And then when you pull that method, you have caused large amounts of adaptation – to lactate. So then what happens is when you practice the movement four weeks before, you get really good because you have more potential to get better at it. Hmm. Cause you can just handle more lactate yes. in your system. Yes. Yes. How, how, how long, well, you'll, you'll link to the article, yeah. but, uh, so that's, and that's, and you, you, know, hold, you know, you squat down for 30 to 40 seconds. Yeah. Okay. So you get oh. off a bike or you run. And like, I, I have a stadium where I run up a steps for like 15 seconds over down up and it takes my kids 45 seconds and when they get up to the top of the second step i mean you're you're a full tilt like uh, and then they just squat down against the wall to hold themselves yeah and they hold that for 40 more seconds to 45 and then they get up and they walk it around and then three minutes two minutes later two and a half minutes later we will go again and it's right really effective yeah it's it's, it's that awful. sounds brutal yeah, i'm yeah, gonna yeah. try it yeah 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 so you'll like I'll it I'll let you know. I'll let you know how that works out for me. Yeah, My I'll wife will be like, she'll be like, why are you bent over in our kitchen right now? No, I know. Like, well, Cal had me try a lactate so, adaption technique. Right. So then, you know, the, but, but the default to the aerobic is it, honestly, your ability to make decisions, your ability to learn motor skill. Like if your heart rate gets too high, about 150, 160, you know, this is when police officers and cops Mm. Um, start to lose fine motor skills and then tunnel vision after that can start. And you're talking, they get to 150 because they're in a situation they're not in normally. And yeah, they like a heightened state of... A heightened state. Like, okay, yeah. you you run. Well, how about this one? You run your 400 meters and then you can do a drill where somebody's reaching in their pocket and they pull something black out and you might not be able to see that wallet where you might think it's, you see, this is why right. sometimes these decisions and, and things happen because you reach that tunnel vision point. Yeah. And the bigger your aerobic base is, and I talk about this in my, my triphasic tactical manual, the bigger your aerobic base is, the less likely that's going to happen. Hmm. Because you hold off. The, yes. So, so what, uh, and I cut you off there because I started talking nope. about myself again, selfishly. No, no it's fun, but you got experiences. So let's, yeah. let's talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so someone who wants to build their aerobic base, you know, and you've already kind of said like, depending on where you are on that scale of elite, like it's going to be a little bit different for everyone, yeah. but for people who are just like, look, I, I want to start building my aerobic base. Yeah. What's the right way to try and approach that? Well, again, to me, it's monitoring your heart rate. Yeah keeping that heart rate for a long time frame from, it can be as simple as 20 minutes right? Okay. to 40 is yeah. really good. And some people say, well, I like, and, and the best way in my opinion is do multiple workouts a day. And here's how I, I would do it. Right. I would, I would do a cardio session in the morning with, and okay. I got elite athletes, but I'll be honest with you. I do a, I recommend a fasted cardio in the morning. 
All right. And the reason is, is I love this because my, my wife and I were just the episode we just did with, um, Eric Hosmer, she just announced, she's like, I'm doing fasted cardio. That's my goal. So I got to keep her to fasted cardio. So this is perfect timing. And did she tell you why? Because there's a fat enzyme. Uh, It's a fat burning enzyme. It's AM. It's called AMPK. Okay. She definitely did not. Okay. And then, (laughs) and it's it's linked to longevity. It's linked to a number of things like metabolic diseases. You have low AMPK. You just don't have it, right? Insulin mm. sensitivity. It's 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 a general overall well. And so so that's the aerobic enzyme. And then the the alternate to that is the the mTOR enzyme. And I'm speaking okay. in really general here. So a scientist and we could go down different pathways, blah, blah, blah. But but long story short, that mTOR enzyme, the one is a muscle building enzyme, right? And okay. the AMPK is a aerobic base enzyme. And it mm. helps you burn fat. All right. Yeah. And and if you have a great aerobic base with AMPK enzymes, you you can start doing a cardio and then if you kick in an interval, you actually you'll switch over to burning sugar faster and then switch right back. Okay? So it's that interaction between these two qualities that that mm. like so somebody goes on a walk that's out of shape with me and my heart rate's low, I'm probably burning fat. Yet they go out there and they start burning sugar right away. Hmm. Okay. So and, and, and your your people, uh, your audience can look up the AMPK enzyme and yeah, and, and I can look to some literature, right? But here's the deal: I've had great success with this from the highest level athletes to just normal people. If you can get up in the morning, in my opinion, do a 20 minute cardio, and that I'll be honest with you, some people it's good enough that they just do a walk. Yeah, their heart rate gets to 110. Yeah. Okay, 120. Yeah. Fasted now. All right. Do your fasted cardio in the morning. Um, people that stick with it for about 10 to 15 days, it becomes addicting to them, they say. So I I have been, yeah, I guess, you know, I do have experience, so it's worth talking about. But yeah. I've been doing that now for a couple of years. I love it. I feel yes. you awesome. You feel great. I feel awesome. And like, feel I feel better at work. I think clearer. I have more yeah. energy. 100%. Um, and now I guess, look, yeah, it can please. be anything. I have a stepper in my house. I'll do a step mill. I go nice and slow. I'll take two steps at a time. It can be a bike. It can be a rower. It's hmm. just low intensity. And if I feel great, I might kick that up to 140 heart rate, 150. If I don't, I'm at 110 to 120. Hmm. I still flush things out. I still move blood around and I still turn that fat burning enzyme on. Now, there's other things to do with that fat burning thing, right? Yeah. And, and when I say that, like, if you drink a cup of coffee with maybe some MCT oil or coconut oil, it will help switch that on. Hmm. There, if you can look up a list of supplements that activate that enzyme, from Reversitrol to ALA um, to um, various things for like insulin sensitivity, there's a ton that you can also take on top of that. Oh, wow. So in the morning, you take that, a few supplements, right? Yeah. Drink coffee. Go for your 20. I'll do right now because the virus, I do an hour and 40 minute hike every morning. And that's it. Yeah. And, and then like, but nowadays it's, it's usable when I get back to coaching somebody, it it won't happen. Right. Yeah. But but I'll still bang out a 20 to 30 minute cardio session. Okay. If it's for, if it's as me getting up at four 30 instead of five, I do it every day, no matter what. Right. And then, but here's, you do it every day. I'll do it every day because it just keeps me sane. 
Oh, now, okay. if I'm tired on the weekends, I'll just go for a 20, 30 minute walk. Hmm. But then after that's done, let's say I finish that at five or six or eight, you wait two hours to eat anything. Hmm. Why? Because if you take your protein shake at that time, theoretically it downregulates that enzyme. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So see, yeah, I, yeah I, I definitely, I'm not, I don't, on most days, I'm not waiting the two hours. Sure. So you wait the two hours and we can get into intermittent fasting a little bit on that too, if you want. So you would wait two hours and then you can have your shake, your, your meal, because that window is a time frame that enzymes really activated. Now it's not mm. like it's on or off, right? It can be depending on the aerobic workout too. But two hours is a good time frame. And okay. then you add your then you would add your fuel. So I'll have my pro athletes. They'll do that. They take their liquid shake because they get calories in right away. Then yeah. and then they come to the gym and do their intense weightlifting. Oh, really? If they want, or another aerobic workout. It depends on what time of the year it is. Yes. So you've got your elite athletes doing this as well. Now, are they doing it daily as well? Or for yes. them, is it? Yeah, no they kidding. Are. Even they found during the season, and some of them are just simple as I get up, I do my treadmill 20 minutes with my coffee, and I feel better. It helps me recover my tissue. Like you say, you feel great. Yeah, I'm addicted to it. You're addicted to it. The, days, the days when I don't do it, I feel off. Right. You know what I mean? If and it's not, and let me, let me, let me stop myself there. It's not that I do the fasted cardio. I probably do that like two to three times a week because mm -hmm. I have a full-time job as well. So like I lift the other four, Sure. Um, but it's always in the morning. And if I even like, for whatever reason, maybe on a weekend, I try and lift it like four or three. It's just, it throws my routine off and I don't feel right up until that point. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And like some things I'll do is when I get back, if I'm really hungry, I'll, I'll like take a decaf coffee at that point, unless I'm really shitty that day, then I'll throw a caffeine. And then I put like some, some coconut oil and I blend it up and it just coats my stomach. So I, it's it like coats a little bit. So then I'm not starving. Yeah. It, it depends. Now, why am I starving? I'll be honest with you. I had a stressful day the day before hmm. I get up in the morning, do that fasted cardio. My stress hormones have been higher. Yeah. And I'm more hungry 100% of the time. Why? Because the stress of the day before. You know, I got a bad habit that I'm going to confess here to All everyone right. listening. So if, if I'm, uh, I've had a couple sleep specialists on because I'm really interested in that. And it's, you know, I, I, it's important. It's, apparently it's pretty important. We're finding <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, but like, you know, like I get anxiety, especially when I used to have to commute into New York pre the virus. Um, and I would wake up at like two or three in the middle of the night. And like one of the only ways I could get myself to like calm back down is like to go eat like a bowl of granola or something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like looking back a hundred percent tied to like, I was super stressed that week, the day before, you know, so I'll even take it to the next level. I won't have to wait till the morning to start eating. Like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, well, I'm just going to eat until I <laughs> Well, you're probably stressed, right? So you're yeah. stressed. So you may need to eat and you've ran out of calories. Hmm. You know what so I mean? Me, yeah. I, I think there are times I undereat. Yeah. Well, one, one, one time I, I, uh, I found a couple of athletes that were having that problem and I, when they woke up, I had them do heart rate variability and their heart rate was, was way off. And we actually linked it also to, uh, allergies. Oh, no kidding. So allergies woke them up in the middle of the night. Right. Because, uh, and then we started just having to take some Benadryl. And yeah. Boom. That, that stopped. 
Was it because it's funny? Because like, was it because his nose gets clogged and like he has trouble well, breathing? Well, I think, um, I think the um, the heat would turn on in that instance, and it just brought the chick. It brought the yeah. pollen from outside the house, and boom, there you go. Yeah. Oh man, you're speaking my language right now. Right? These are all. So, these are all things. So there's variables, you know what I mean? And then um, honestly, I've got a lot of people that are that are addicted to that particular protocols mm. that morning and then in the afternoon you can do whatever you want you can do your weightlifting because weightlifting is just an interval workout yeah right right, right. yeah yeah it, and if it's a heavy weights in the gym it's a 10 second interval to me hmm. it's the same as a 10 second sprint i don't care what it is it's still yeah. the same stress right the squat is just gonna tell you to build up some tissue right so but that's the issue done, i think of it yeah uh, the squat workout or the sprint workout then later in the day, when you get done with that, you do want to get a shake in you pretty quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You get your carbs and your protein in. That's fine. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, people go, well, but I've been told after the workout to, to eat something. I'm like, yeah, but not in case, not in this case of this fat burning workout in the morning. Awesome. Well, that's, now, that's, that's good to know. Yeah. I, I have a bunch of buddies too, who, uh, uh, one guy, he was actually a guest on one of the earlier shows. He's an ESPN basketball commentator, former player, and he's he's just he's a big guy and he's trying to lose weight. Yeah. And uh, so I, I I'm you know kind of picking everyone's brain a little bit about the best sure. way to do that. And I think this is perfect. And yeah. I had not heard wait wait for two hours. Yep. And then um and like and some people say, well, what about intermittent fasting? Well, you can fast longer if you want. But here's my thing: if you're a high performer in one of those jobs and 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 you. Uh, I, I have found that it doesn't work that well. You can do the two hours every day, but intermittent fasting going longer, four or even five, six hours every day, it, it creates more stress hormones. Hmm. So I would recommend it up to three days a week if you're in a job that is stressful and you're training. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of these things, and I've said this multiple times, like, People see, you know, maybe it's a diet. I always pick on fad diets, right? Right. But it's like, to your point, that creates stress. And like we talked about earlier, like if you are a high performer and then on top of that, you have kids, you have, you know, whatever other stressor in your life, like I've, I'm trying to be much more aware of the fact that, that compounds and it all is cumulative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe I could enlighten people this way. So for me, here's what happens. I have a rough Monday. I go Tuesday morning, I do my cardio, I wait my two hours, I'm starving. Yeah. But let's say Monday was really easy. I go do my cardio on Tuesday morning, I wait my two hours, I'm not even hungry yet. Hmm. Because Monday wasn't stressful. For me, it's my indicators of my hunger on that next morning is how bad and stressful the day was before. (laughs) So what I'm saying is, if you're starving, eat after the two hours. But if you can push it out, yeah, push it out that two day. to three days a week. Just push it out. You know what I mean? Mm, I like that. Yeah. Hey, wh- what do you think about? Um, I, I've now that's not true. Or correct me if I'm wrong. Is it okay to lift on an empty stomach? So like me, right? Like I, I have to get my lift in in the morning. Right. Just so by nature of my schedule. Right. So what I do when I do that is if I'm going to do, I'll do a weightlifting, I'll do a lift, but I keep it in the aerobic base. So I don't let my heart rate get up too high. Cause like we said, there's no difference. Mm. So I might do a circuit or I might do okay. a like 
heavy lift, heart rate gets up, and then I do a lighter lift, and I just keep going. So it doesn't really matter what exercise it is. Like people don't. I mean, you can do the same lift with for, for hard intervals as you can do if you if if for an aerobic workout if you just want to drop the weight a little bit or add more reps. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. But so now here's the deal. Sorry. Oh, yeah, please. To answer that question fully is if you're on an empty stomach, you will not get the most optimal lift. There's no way. Damn it. Yeah. Okay. So what do I need to do? Do I need to pound a little protein? Protein carbs, I would say. Protein and carbs. Yeah. You heard it here first. Folks. Well, I'm telling you, if you want to perform at a high level, better yeah. carbs. Like I, I've tracked uh, athletes with heart rate variability devices and all of a sudden they go bad. And they're playing professional hockey. And I'm like, what's wrong? And and they're paying me literally daily to figure out these problems because right. I do it remotely. And I'm looking at him going, something's wrong. Something's not right. Like you don't, you're not mm. getting enough energy. Like got to eat more. And he's like, well, my wife started this keto thing, and I'm gonna. Start. I'm like, you're you're a professional athlete in the middle of a season. Do not start this diet. Right? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad diet. Like I'm right. just saying you. And he's like, yeah, my I feel slow. I run out of energy in the game. I'm like, bingo. Like you yeah. can't do this right now. Yeah. And, and right. everyone that's called demands these guys are put through. And like everyone that has tried it is like, oh yeah, but I mean, I feel okay. I'm like, but you're not, I don't care what mm. you say. You can't recover. You can't, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good to know. And I bet you didn't, we're going to, didn't uh, think you were going to come here and talk about stress and, and diet and, uh, fasting well, with me for it's, it's what I think about though. You have to think about this, right? So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so cool to hear that you're actually doing that with your elite athletes, that it's not just like, Hey, if you're in your thirties and you're trying to, uh, you know, tighten it up a little bit, it's like, no, like this is one of the best things I do for my elite athletes is build out that aerobic capacity. And here's a great way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, hey, for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you, so, you know, I've read triphasic training. I love it. I just read your peaking, your book on peaking, which is, uh, it's awesome. And I'm, I'm like partway through the bonus area on the plyometrics. So I'm going to dig into that a little bit more, <clears throat> but like, I, I kept having the thought, you know, because you're not just like a strength and conditioning coach who just runs his own business, right? Y you work for the university of Minnesota, you work for team USA. Um, you know, what is it about you that you're, you're totally open to sharing all of this knowledge and that a lot of times you've acquired through your own, it sounds like trial and error and, and you know, question-based solution finding. Like, you know, I, I'm interested in like, why so open with it? Um, you only see part of it. <laughs> ah, there it is. <laughs> okay. But I do release good stuff. I'll be honest with you. Like, yeah. Um, um, frankly, in my speed manual, I have, and I started the speed manual. Right, also. those spring ankle exercises. Chris Corfus, Chris is out of Chicago. He's a speed coach, hmm. and um, I've never seen anything like those five exercises. I'll be, yeah. I'm not kidding you. You can do them like right now. My athletes are doing them on their their steps going up to their bedroom. Yeah. Okay. I'm telling you, and basically the theory is with these five exercises is it puts your foot in five positions. And we've had elite level coaches email us say, you aren't going to believe my results. And we're talking pretty elite coaches with world-class sprinters, yeah. world-class distance runners. And this catch is, is when your foot strikes the ground, if this foot isn't strong, your brain says I'm on an unstable surface. Hmm. And then it goes, I have to stabilize. It can't stabilize with a weak foot. 
it tries to go to the knee and it doesn't work, it locks your hip down. Hmm. And then your hips become less mobile because every repetition when your foot walks or strikes the ground when you run or train yeah. is a bad feedback loop. You um, will not leave the level of how bad our feet are that I find hmm. and the things that it fix. So we can actually put, I actually have links. I'll send them. You can put these five exercises up for your, your, people. Oh man, I would yeah, love that. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll put those and we call them the spring ankle and Chris was like, he, and is this different than, uh, cause I, I watched a couple of videos on ankle rocker. Yes. And it's, a, well, no, these are, yeah, these are different, but they go together. Okay. Yeah, but similar, go together. Same, same vein. Okay. Except the fact that with these spring ankles, uh, we stopped the TV like 50 times during the draft when they were showing receivers run these positions, they are in these, these, these positions. And, and here's the thing. So your body is not, you have to look at it. This it's, it's wired for survival not performance. So hmm. if, if my foot comes down on the ground and it collapses because it's weak, it will instantly shut off leg muscles down. It downregulates them. So it doesn't ruin your own right. foot. <laughs> and you will not believe how many people's limiter is their foot. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What's the only thing that touches the ground when you run? At your foot. <laughs> there it is, right? Yeah. This is how important it is. And I'm telling you, when you try I don't to, think I ever trained it once. I up know. Until, I know. Well, and you know what? And I ha I've had some some fantastic coaches. My, the track coach that I mentioned, I, sure. I count among them. But uh, but it could be yeah. your weight limiter, man. It could be mm. the one thing. And, and I'm telling you, I have only, I, I'm telling you right now, less than 5 to 10% of my elite athletes didn't, um, their foot was a room for improvement. No kidding. Yes. And I'm talking about, and I'm going to tell you how important it is. And, and other coaches agree with me is that all my super freaks and I, and I coached 12 sports at the university of Minnesota with an assistant at one time. So we got to see world-class kids, super freaks, right? Like amazing. Yeah. Across a, a bunch of disciplines. Yeah. So, so I wrote, yeah, about 12 disciplines. I wrote tw about 27 programs a month. Different. Right, we we got to talk well, after this point. I got to yeah, ask you yeah, how on yeah. earth you do that. Um, and then, but here's the thing you sit here and go, the great ones, guess what? There's one thing in common. Most of them have super big feet that were super really? strong now, but here's the catch. But then there was other ones that were freaks and they didn't, it didn't mm. matter if the foot size, it mattered how uh, strong it was. Yeah. So when you have children, right? Two or three. Uh, I've got three men. I almost lost, right? almost lost count. So when the baby's born, they, they grab the bottom of the foot to scratch to see if the toe goes like this. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's called the Babinski reflex. Hmm. And with that being said, so when people walk, they've lost that toe flexion, the toe needs to squeeze into the ground and find the ground. But with shoes, it doesn't do that. Every one of my super elite athletes who had big butts had strong feet. They had big butts. So you break your foot, your butt shrinks when you're in a cast. Why? Because you're hmm. not using your glute muscles because you're locked up in the cast. So that's pretty cool. And the reason I'm, people can't see it, but the reason I'm smiling over here is um, 
one thing that I got from you, and I even wrote it down, but I'm going to butcher it. You can you can tell me exactly what I'm referring to. But uh, my lower back was bothering me so bad, maybe three years ago, right around the time when I when I was first introduced to triphasic training. Um, and I'm referring to the book that, like at that time, putting my son in his crib. I mean, the the act of bending over to put him in my crib, like I was like unstable, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, it killed me. And my wife is like, "What is going on with you? You're like 200." 25 pounds that you can like barely put them in the crib. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I read your book and, uh, the whole idea of like, you know, when you do a squat, like dig your toe into the ground, your your big toe. And this idea that like the muscles were firing out of order. And I'm probably doing a terrible job explaining this, but I tried to pay attention to that every time I bent over every time, whether I was picking Mm -hmm. a sock up off the ground, anything. And I, I kid you not. I mean, it, for the most part, like my back problems went away. So, so what happened was, is you engage that group in the firing, right? So yeah. let's say we're standing, you and I are standing there and I go to push you. What would happen is your toes grab the ground, yeah. which then fires your glute to stabilize you so that I can't push you. If mm. you then grab me and pull me, your toes grab the ground, your glute fires, and then you can pull me, hmm. right? So yeah. this glute pattern... This glute pattern is the most important thing. So when I say this, I, I, I took about 100 athletes and I tested the, the speed at which they could bench press while they were laying on the ground. And I had them bench a weight without squeezing their glutes. And then I had them bench a weight with squeezing their glutes. Hmm. And the bar moved faster 100% of the time. Yeah. So my point is, is that if I'm standing there and I go to push you, I actually have to squeeze my glutes to engage everything. Yeah. Because I'm not laying on a bench. Right. So what I, I guess. It, it, no, that makes, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. It's you like, yeah, it's like if you weren't on the bench with that providing that resistance for you to push off of, you would activate your glutes naturally to be able to do it. 100%. So ah, yeah. with everything that you do, in my opinion, and, and people can play with this. Well, somebody, I want somebody to try pull-ups to failure and then without squeezing your glutes and then squeeze your glutes and go pull up to failure hmm. and you get more reps uh, or do a, do a bridge. Like I tell people, get up in the bridge position, you squeeze your core. Yeah. Go to failure. The next day, squeeze your glutes and go to failure. Don't worry about your core. And not one person's ever came back and said, I couldn't do it longer. No kidding. Why? Because that's the foundation. And, and, and everyone taught us talk core. What's your core set on? Your hips. Yeah. If you get the hips working correctly, the core works exactly how it's supposed to. Yeah. So this this idea of training the foot, um, you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna link to the. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna Exercise. butcher. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, but it, it was called the spring complex or the it's spring ankle. Yeah. Thank you, spring ankle. I don't know why I escaped. Those me. are the exercises. It's in my speed manual. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'll definitely link to the exercises. What is yeah. your thought on uh, training barefoot? Is that something you have your athletes do? Um, well, for liability reasons, no, because of like literally <laughs> yeah. at a university, you know, yeah, you don't anybody. Yeah. Um, I recommend it. However, like if you're going to do hard sprints, then the big thing is it just depends what you're doing. Like if you're going to do a plyometric and you won't jump as hard without shoes on, I recommend. But like my warm ups, we do barefoot. Okay. Yep. My cool downs, if we do them, we do barefoot. Yeah. Um, basic, like my circuits. When I do circuits in my weight room for aerobic capacity, we do barefoot. 
Okay. Yeah, very important. I, I like it. Just don't go crazy the first day, kind of build into it. Because again, remember, your foot's, your, your, your feet are so weak. Mm. And shoes today don't help. Don't, shoes don't help. And they <laughs> shut that big toe from grabbing the ground because that big toe is what would grab the ground to keep your foot from slipping when you walk. Right. Now, yeah. here's the deal. Think about what. Oh, flips. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying there. What about flip-flops? Hmm. You're, you lift your toe up to keep the flip-flops on your foot. So it actually shuts that butt muscle off. I've seen it happen. I've checked athletes and they've completely downregulated their butt. You don't shut it off, but it downregulates. Yeah. That's why the beach bums are always sagging. Right? They've Seriously. just killed, they've just shut the glute off. Yep. And if you want to wear sandals, wear sandals with a strap on the back so your toe doesn't have to to uh, lift so, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Lift, keep it up. Because your toe should squeeze into the ground and then your butt pushes you forward. Ah, got it. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, people are probably sick of me, uh, you know, using my own real life experiences, but like di- di- digging the toe into the ground, I- I've been paying attention to that now for like two years and now I don't have to do it as much. It's just, I feel it's like actual, yeah. it's kind of like rewired. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my God, it made such a huge difference. Well, like, and people, when people think about it, like my athletes, when they come down on a squat, their toes are up to work with that ankle rocker, as you talked about. Hmm. But then when they come up, they squeeze those toes hard into the ground. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. That, and that's does, that does make sense. And those five exercises, I, I, those speed ankle or the spring ankle exercises, those five, I had a, a friend of mine who I sent them to. I watched his daughter run on video and she was uncoordinated, tall kid. Good motor skills, except it, running wasn't that great, in my opinion. Uh, mm. Hand-eye was good. And uh, she did those over the summer. And when she went back to play soccer with her team in the fall, um, she played soccer in the summer. They were like, what would you do to her? And But think about this. She was long and lanky, and yeah. her feet were weak. And every time her body stepped on the ground, she was unstable. Yeah. She got those feet strong. And it, and it gave her a whole different level of coordination. Well, and it's, it, you said something that really resonated too. It's like the body doesn't care about sport. It's about survival. Survival. So when it's, you know, when it senses that something's out of balance or it's put in an unstable position, it starts shutting stuff down. And then like here, like. It, just, it makes intuitively a lot of sense. And I'm sure right? you have stuff to back it up, but I'm like, yeah. yeah like, well, let, me, let me tell you this one, like. When an athlete runs, and let's say they take a stride and it's shortened, okay? Mm-hmm. And so many world-class sprint coaches will go, oh, yeah, they need to lengthen their stride, so I got to stretch out their hips. It's not actually that 95% of the time. What I found yeah. is when their foot goes to slam on the ground, the body will say it's not strong enough to get in far out, so it shortens the stride. Hmm. Because when I slam down, then I'm more stable when it's underneath me. So a short stride, in my opinion, people think their hips are tight. Well, their hips are tight because they've done repetitive strides that are short, but they're yeah. short because the foot, it's the body protecting itself so that the foot and it doesn't injure itself by doing long strides. It will shorten that stride. So you make that foot strong. And I have ways to do that actually um, really quickly. And then instantly I don't coach them and the stride gets longer. Hmm. So I know what the real problem is. It, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, 
and I'm hearing this a lot, the more I talk to folks who work with elite athletes, it's like, uh, what's the right way to say this? Like what you're seeing isn't necessarily reflective of the actual, it's like a symptom. It's not the actual cause, right? Like, the, yes, they might have tight hips. The problem, the, yes, the yeah, foot, it lies with the, the foot, foot locks down the hips. Yeah. And the brain goes, I'm not safe by striding that far. So I'll shorten your stride. Hmm. It's scary. That's crazy. I know. And so you're seeing, I can't wait to start trying this stuff. Yeah. Um, that's Maybe awesome. I'll have to come back at some point, right? To, to start. Oh trying. man. Yeah. Please, please. And I'll, I'll tell you how it's working out for me and some of the people who are listening. Um, so one of the things, if, if you still have time, are you doing okay yeah, on time? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a little bit about triphasic training. Um, but th there's one thing that I'm super interested in that I've read about now a few times and I still haven't implemented and now I'm determined to do it is uh, oscillatory isometrics. And yeah. so, I apologize if I got that word wrong. No, no, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I think here's, here's what I would love to do, right? Because not everyone listening here is an elite athlete. There's a lot of people yeah. doing things at a really high level. Um, I think people hit plateaus yeah. uh, and they have various goals, right? You know, some people just want to get stronger. Some people want to get faster. Maybe it's CrossFit, yeah. whatever it is. Right. Like who, who is triphasic right for? Like, yeah. Um, I've seen it implemented from seventh graders, lightweight, and it teaches skill and, hmm. and all the way to elite, Olympic champions that just need one more year, right? So, so let's explain what triphasic is. Really, it's if you have six weeks of strength training, let's say, okay, and you're going to work on your bench press. Basically, instead of just doing bench for six weeks, the first three weeks or the first two weeks, and you don't have to stay on these two week cycles, but the first two weeks is basically you take that bench press and you lower it really slow. It's called yeah. an eccentric phase. And you are basically taking a phase of that movement and, and focusing on one specific stressor, which is the eccentric, and then your partner can help you up or you can put it up yourself. It's, it's usually pretty hard because it's heavy. Right. And you, you, you do eccentrics for two weeks and whether that's two workouts a week or, or one, whatever. And then the next week, you're still doing the – and week three and four, you're still doing bench – but you, now you work on a different strength capacity, which is you bring the bar down close to your chest and you hold it, which is mm -hmm. called an isometric for two weeks in that workout. Right. It's just, and isometrics have been shown to be one of the best methods to get strong. Yeah. But we rarely train it, right? And you can just hold it for four to six seconds. And let's say you're going to normally do six reps or or 10 or 20, whatever, but now you're holding it for six. So, you know, you may only do three or four, but you're under the bar 18 seconds if you hold it for three reps, right? So you're right. still under the bar. And then the next two weeks, you just do normal bench press. Yeah. And so, 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 so where'd I get this from? If you look at every human movement, if I go to throw a football, I eccentrically loaded my arm there's a mm -hmm. brief moment of pause, which is the isometric phase, and then the forward phase. Every movement has three phases. I basically broke those movements up into training cycles of two weeks, the eccentric, the isometric, and the concentric, just the forward motion. Yeah. I broke that movement down, and when I broke that movement down and applied very specific stress, lo and behold, everybody got better at running, throwing. <laughs> 
And that was that simple. So that's yeah. really triphasing. So, so whatever program you're doing now, here's the, here's the deal. People in your position, I don't want you to try triphasic six weeks before you want to do a competition. Yeah. Because you're going to still be beat up at the end of those six weeks. You're going to go into competition right. and not get the best results. Yeah. You want to do triphasic that, that what we just talked about and have your coaches. If you got a personal trainer, do triphasics week 12 to six, and then give yourself a good six weeks before that competition to get normal. Because right. here's the deal. You actually may even be better, but it won't show in your sporting event because you have such new qualities and such new tissues that you haven't learned how to optimize them yet. And it'll take four to six weeks to optimize those new qualities that try facing. Oh, wow. Through. Yes. Interesting. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I, that does make sense. That does make sense. And I've actually seen uh, tremendous results from doing it. And, um, I, it's just interesting. It just, it's fun. It, it adds a variation to a workout that I get like excited about. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Well, and here's one of the big things, like I, I can speak hours on just those two blocks of you said what it does, but, but in this population, here's what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Have you seen the grippers that, that lower blood pressure? Like these no. grip things. So there's grip things out there that people have high blush pressure and they just do isometric hand grips oh. and they, it, it's been scientifically proven to lower blood pressure. And that's huh. great, right? Because what does is it basically makes the blood pressure vessels more pliable. Well, if you just implement this into your normal gym workout, you don't, what do you think is more, more value? And, and I would recommend you make sure that you're healthy when you do triphasic, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but people that go down into a squat or hold a bench for isometrically on their chest, mm -hmm. above their chest, it's a lot better. So my point to you is I literally have athletes resting heart rate drop to like 38 sometimes because their vascular system has become so pliable. Their blood pressure really? drops. Yes. We're talking, I had an athlete that was like, was he 60 over 85 at one point? <laughs> because he was 120 before and he dropped so much. Now then long story short, the body will reset that to make yeah. 120 the new normal. Yeah. But that's the effect it had on the blood vessels and wow. your arteries. And that is a big deal with people that are stressed. So this is why in this population, triphasic has many, many other things that take place. Yeah. And that is one of them. And that's a big health concern, especially somebody that's been always stressed. Those blood vessels become constricted and you develop diabetes, insulin sensitivity, and other things. I'm not saying triphasic mm. will cure that. But nope, triphasic is diabetes, folks. first. It will help with your resting heart rate. It will okay. lower. I've, I've found in my elite athletes, we're not doing any cardio, and our resting heart rate drops 10 to 12 beats after our isometric phase. Wow, that's so, I, that's so counterintuitive. Because right? it, it, for anyone who's tried one, it's one of the most taxing things you can do. Right. But it's really stressful on the, the, the uh, vascular system, but hmm. it makes it very pliable. Wow. And please get in shape before you try it. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's really interesting. Um, okay. So isometrics are and great. Then, and I was watching a bunch of videos just last night again on, on the oscillatory yeah. isometrics. And I'm so interested to, to so start implementing this. What, what it is, honestly, and here's, here's the secret. To a lot of my stuff is I just broke triphasic down and it's very specific stress, right? Mm -hmm. 
So which, when you're talking about oscillatories, and this is for everybody listening, is basically when you do a rep, you're going to do a bench press, yeah. and you bring the bar down to your chest, and instead of going right back up to the top, you actually go in a four-inch range of motion up and down multiple times, right? Like right, right above the chest. Right above the chest. Yeah. It can be done up high, but the best is right above the chest, and here's why. Because that's your weakest position, okay? Mm. So, so follow me here. Let's say you're going to do a set of five on bench, and that yeah. would take you 10 seconds okay. to do full range of motion. Yeah. You've only briefly cha- trained that weakest spot on your chest five times. Yeah. So by doing this oscillatory where you bring the bar down, and let's say you have somebody with a stopwatch stand there, and you move the bar up and down in the weakest position, I've actually had people get 20 reps in the weakest position. Really? And then they press it up. Well, think about it. You don't have to travel that. That's much. what I'm into. That, that's what I was interested to see. Is like, what's it like when I go to actually clear that after doing? Well, you these? need some help sometimes. Yes. Yeah. You need some yeah. Help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the point. So you did 20 reps in your weakest position versus five. Right. It's more specific stress to your weakest position. Which one's going to get you more adaptations to get stronger? Hmm. You see, this is what, yeah. I do. And you know what? I wonder if you've, uh, you might find this interesting. So are you familiar with Eddie Hall, who won World's Strongest yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah. And, and he course. set the deadlift world record at 500 kilograms or something, yeah. 1,100 pounds. Yeah, um, a lot. <laughs> it's a Yeah, it's a lot for people who are wondering how much that is. What was so interesting to me is uh, he was doing a deadlift workout and he was talking about how training for that attempt, um, his deadlifts, he would never do full extension he would kind of train in that limited range of motion for everything on his heavy days. And they were like, well, why would you do that? That kind of goes against everything everyone does. And his, his reply was, well, I know once I get it past this certain weak point, like I know I'm strong enough to get it up. So I'm not going to waste my energy training waste there. Energy, Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what you're doing is so, so doing a full rep, you're actually wasting energy for your weakest part. Because like, look, yeah. if, if I can take, let's say somebody can bench 300. But mm. I put a four boards between these, and now he can does a bench press with four boards. They can probably get three fifty, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. basically, in a full rep, you're wasting that top range of motion. Mm. So this is why the oscillatories are very specific to a specific range of motion. But but that's your weakest range of motion. So if you can, like, if you can get your bench press to three thirty really quickly by doing them, you should be able to lock it out. Yeah. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I do. And so we're, we're in like a, a you know within a block, like, a, are, are you implementing that? Are you having guys do that in every phase or is it just in the isometric portion of the no, program? I, I would probably do my regular triphasic and then I do it after triphasic. Oh, you would after triphasic. Yeah, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. So go, so go eccentric, isometric, then a, then a concentric and then you can throw block. it in there. Yeah. Or you can throw it in right after the isophase too. Ah, you, okay. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, awesome. and if you want to get strong, it's a really good way to get strong in a yeah. certain range of motion. And is it, uh, I know you keep talking about time. Is it, is it 10 seconds? Is it, uh, kind of as much as you can do? Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I've had guys in five seconds rip off 12 reps at the bottom, Man. but you're talking super freaks, right? It, it heavy yeah. load. So yeah. they can turn their muscles. And, and that's actually one of the secrets is that some of these elite humans, um, it wasn't how fast they turn their muscles on. It's how fast they can shut their muscles off. Yeah. So like, interesting. When I when I first started doing these oscillatories, I had those two world champion track kids. When they did 
oscillatory dumbbell bench with 35 pounds. They first started and they, they four inch range of motion. And when they did the first rep and stopped it, they did it so hard and fast and pulled it down that they came off the bench. <laughs> so we actually had to put our hands on them to hold them on the bench while they did this. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And, and that's, a, and, and that, that's, that was a, the Soviets figured that out in about the sixties was that the most elite people, and here it is, it's just a coordination level, right? Mm. They turn their muscles off faster. Why? Because then they can refire it quickly again. Yeah. And that's key. Yeah. And that's well, really where the peaking concept comes in with the peaking manual. You'll see the muscles turning on and off really fast. Yeah. Oh man. I loved, I loved watching, uh, and I'll link to the book and, and people can pick it up and it's pretty cool because it's, it's like multimedia, right? There's, you know, yeah. aspects of their traditional book and then it's presentations it's and then it's actual exercises in there. Of, it's of awesome. The, and some of the cool. stuff I'm seeing, it's, what's so cool is that it's not all fancy machinery no, or things that are bands. bands. It's cool. Right. And then people are asking me like, you know, what do you do with your son? There you have it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted John, to ask you about that. John Wellborn played in the NFL for what 12 years, and he, I got, I got, I got video of his, uh, his five year old son doing those band exercises. It's no not heavy weight, but he's moving his limbs really fast, and you're like, that's the real deal. Now there might be some genetics in there because John was an all pro, right? Yeah, yeah, he might have a good base but, to start. Yeah, from. but but I mean, cash. Cash is the, the kid's name. He he's in there like his dad gets up at six in the morning, and the kid just get loses his loses his mind if he can't go work out with dad. So he's like, man, all this band stuff. I was able to like give him stuff to do, and, and they're moving awesome. fast, and it's not heavy weight. But here's the deal: when people look at some of these exercises, and maybe I'll send you a couple that are really good. Like okay. the hamstring one, people are looking at it. They're going, yeah. That, I mean, that looks like it would do something, but but how much is it training the muscle? We put machines on the muscle, and it actually activated it more than some of these heavy, heavy hamstring exercises. Hmm. Why? Because the limb's moving so fast, and it has to go stop it. The limb, right? Your muscles activate very fast then. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think, I mean, this is what, when my son doesn't have to get strong, these are the exercises we do. Like he, he's just turned 14. So we're focused on getting, get, gaining weight and getting strong for this summer. But at yeah. the end of the summer, I will do those speaking exercises, but he's oh, done God. a lot of these his whole life. I mean, I'm talking, you start these at like three years old. I'm not kidding you. Three years old. They're not going to hurt anything. Just let the yeah. kid move faster. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. So, I mean, I, I work out in the morning, like I said, and uh, no matter what we try, like my daughter, who's now five and a half, I mean, she's up at 6.30. Right, right. doesn't matter. Like, you know, we're, we've got her on a pretty early bedtime, but it's like the morning used to be my time to like get my right? workout and relax. Know, right? And now I'm like, she's down there with me. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And you, I usually hand her bands and we tie it around something and she'll kind of do what I'm doing, but do it I fast love now. Yeah. Do okay. it fast. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, we're going to take the well, regulator off. Look, man, the, the, and not that they can't do it slow, but the point is that when you're moving fast, that's learning a skill. Yeah. When you move slow, it's not, it's not skill learning, right? When mm. I, when you play piano, you don't have to think about how things are moving, right? It just happens or, or the way I speak, the, the words coming out of my mouth. When you use things, move things fast, that's, that's sports. And that is skill learning, especially for these young kids. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, and it, one of the things that, uh, 
you know, I've become more aware of, and I'm trying to help educate people. Cause like I said, a lot of people who listen, write to me and they're like, Hey, my son's 12. Yeah. You know, what should you do? And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not a trainer. So let me stop you there, but I'll try and point you in the direction of people who do know what they're talking about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's this, there's this old notion that you want to get faster, like squat heavy. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, you're talking, what you're saying here is like, it's about like coordination. It's about like speed, skill acquisition. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll be honest. Some of the things I did with my, my kids was like, I, I bought a ping pong table. And when my, my kids were young, we, I would set it up so that it was half a ping pong table and I put sides and, and it wasn't about playing ping pong. It was just about seeing how many reps they could get. Right. Hand-eye yeah. coordination. Because look, I've had athletes that are super strong, powerful and speedy, but can't coordinate and they just can't play the game. But I've yeah. had highly coordinated kids. I can get them strong. That's easy because they can learn that skill very fast, right? Um, you know, the one thing I – and my son is a fast kid. His mom's an Olympic champion. That helps, right? Oh. So, yeah. Well, so, and, I, and I was doing some research prior to this. You, uh, you weren't actually uh, too bad of an athlete yourself. Yeah, I was okay. I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't – sport college athlete uh ended up being an all-american but um yeah the, <laughs> the big thing is with this is like so for example like i need to get good quality reps and then with my son and you know what? i wrote an article for for literally for parents i can link this for you okay I'll send oh you I, that'd be amazing yeah I would love and, to and basically that. i was like all right i need to get six speed reps in every day so basically what i did was my son would go out and i'd show him a pass pattern and i'd throw the football and mm-hmm. I found out that if he threw, if I threw the football a little far, he actually ran faster. And then he would, then he would come, he'd grab the football, he'd come back and tell me how bad of a quarterback I was. And then we'd play like left-handed <laughs> catch for yeah, like yeah. two minutes. And people ask me why two minutes? Well, he could recover fully. And uh. then he ran another repetition. So, but when we went out and play, we did this for twelve minutes, or actually ten, because you can get six reps in your first. 10 minutes and then after that we did whatever we wanted like i would even have those reps run up a hill while i threw the ball so he got hill running he got uh straight ahead running he got cone agility running and then i throw the ball yeah and my thing is people ask me what's the best exercise it's running mm. this is what we were wired to do because if i only had one exercise i could run uphill i could run with resistance i could run cone drills stopping and starting i can run different ways and and i'll send this article why you yeah, do it please. and actually i'm not i, I don't want to tell you but like uh, i can't say the team that i worked with but they restructured nhl teams and some nfl teams restructured practice along these guidelines no kidding yeah but it's oh, I, can't, I, I can't wait to read that i'll send it to you okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that sounds um, great yeah yeah for sure and it'll just be something and maybe you get tons of questions and you have me back on at some point Oh man, I would love that. Well, one of the things I want to do with this podcast is, uh, you know, there's people like, like yourself who are doing really incredible things and you're working with elite athletes and thankfully you share it and you, you try and make it as accessible as possible. Um, one of my big pain points has always been, and I think this is just, you know, my, a little bit of my own chip on my own shoulder is there's people who are willing to put in the work and effort, but might not have the resources right. to get the most out of it. And so, you know, I, I wanted to help introduce people to like new ideas, uh, different approaches. Uh, I would argue that yours is a more effective approach. I mean, obviously, I'm a huge fan of it. You know, so it's like for people who are willing to put in the time to get better or have a kid that just is like, 
you can't get them off the field. You can't get them out of the gym. They right. just want to train. Like, let, like, let's get them the right information. Yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, um, like my my daughter, she she's sports aren't her thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think she has talent, and but you're just like, mm, she just doesn't have that will. Like her thing is, she wants to compete in the classroom. Uh, okay. She wants she's to. Got the, she wants, oh, she's got drive, but it's it's to get A's. And she would yeah. look at sports and be like, eh. But then then my son is a whole different ball game. I tell people this story real quick. It's like we're at a swim meet, and my my daughter was at her swim meet, and she got second place. She looked up. She she improved her time. She was so happy. And I look over to my right, and my son's five at the time. He's crying because his sister got second place. Right? <laughs> she's so happy. And that's just that's just the difference in how they were wired. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. that. Right. And, they, and it was both a great – it was a great day for her. It was horrible for him. But, I mean, she got her best time ever today. Right. And then, yeah, and, and she got second place. She was on the podium. It was it was celebration. He was crying because his sister oh, got second place. that is so right. perfect. Yeah, right? I mean, that's pretty typical. <laughs> and that can be switched, right? It can be the boy that's more interested in girl vice versa. But, like, yeah, this is what parents – like, if they're interested and, and people say, oh, did you train him all the time? I'm like – we trained all the time, but it was sports. Like, that's what I did. I threw that football game. I did all that stuff. Like, I did that every yeah. day for the summer one year. Every day. Yeah. And people say you can't run full speed every day. The only thing that happened to him was he got a lot faster. <laughs> so, like, and so, there, were, yeah. there was a couple of days he's like, ah, oh, it was raining. We didn't do it, you know, or we couldn't go out because there was he was playing lacrosse or something. Like, so it's not like we did it every day, but every day we, we were available. I We went out and we'd do it. We'd have fun. Yeah. You know. No, and I think that's a good, you know, I, I had a – a buddy of mine and we can wrap up on this because i know i've taken up a lot of your time and i appreciate it oh, a, a, a buddy of mine who uh you know was talking to a neighbor and he was like you know i'm thinking about sending my kid to this camp and uh yeah i really i don't know what like what's too much you know and i you know i played i played college football and he my buddy was asking me about this and i was like look if you have a kid that like loves it so much that you have to pull them away like there might not be a thing is too much, no. right? You know, and like I, I count myself in that category. As a kid, like, I mean, I would have begged to spend all my time out there training. But the other kid, if you have to force them, it's not, or it, it's a don't don't do it. Don't do it. It's not right. And, and kids, I've seen it changing kids. Like a kid at twelve, all of a sudden something clicks. One of my mm. son's friends, and boom, this kid wants to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Some kids have it when they're five, right? You know what I mean? Right. And, and if my theory too is like, make sure the kid has a great experience. Because yeah, I'll be fun. honest with you, if it's fun, there's no way a kid's not gonna is gonna burn out. Yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. No, you're right. If I have a bad coach, and some of these some of these sports where there's burnout, right? They get these dictarian coaches, like in girls gymnastics who are in my uh-huh. opinion sometimes they can i'm not saying they're all bad right but sometimes no, but I can imagine of them. yeah i'm yeah. like envisioning the environment after right, all these documentaries right. i've seen yeah right it's the same thing right and you're just going and i don't want to pick on them but like it's just a good example and, mm-hmm. and you're going oh like that's horrible like this girl's dreams and passion was was crushed by a coach like that you know, stole stole the joy oh, of the game right and then the kid and then the kid burned they say well burnout wasn't gonna make it well in that situation it might not have been and, and look i've had parents come to me oh, our daughter was pretty elite level great coaches and just decided didn't want to do it i'm like well look and she got to a pretty elite level but then decided at 16 said i don't want to do it anymore mm. and, and it's like well, well at least you know yeah Right. Yeah. But, yeah. But, 
but she's put in work and she knows how to get to a high level. And that was like six years ago. Guess what? It's going to law school, going to crush it. Right. As a, she, under, she, she built work ethic. Like these are all life lessons. Yeah, it's transferable. Absolutely. <laughs> That's my yeah. thing, right? And sports are so good at teaching life lessons. And look, yeah. they're, not, they're not that important. Uh-huh. Let's be honest. People think I have an important job. Like I train entertainers, right? I, well, well, let's let's be honest. Like I, no, I, spend, I appreciate that perspective, right? Because I people here, put them up on a pedestal. It's amazing, and I love it. I absolutely, I'm I count myself in the category of people who love it. Um, right? This, no, this is great. I, I mean, I, I sit here, and, and people. I, I mean, you may have. a, am not going to pick on anybody's name, but but you have a, a basketball player that that thinks he's amazing and he's got 25 million instagram followers or something mm-hmm. and i'm like you 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 entertain people is all <laughs> you're an entertainer i'm yeah. like i i have friends who who were in the special forces who've done 10 tours and when they go to work they may not come back yeah like that's for real you're a cop you may get involved in an incident where you may not come home right Right. And we can all die at any time, maybe driving to work, right? I mean, it, it's a possibility. But, but like, you hold yourself in such high regard, and, and you're truly no different than the guy at Circus Olay, right? We entertain people. And, and look, yeah. I'm below all of them. I coach entertainers, in my opinion. Right? Like, let's be frank. <laughs> but I love what I do. So, yeah. and you love what you do, and and you go okay as an as an entertainer, as a basketball player, or, or circus Soleil, We're still just entertainers in the end of the day. This is look at our frontline workers right now who are in the hospitals with oh man with blood marks on their face from wearing masks for sixteen hours. Yeah, putting it all on the line. That's that that that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, people on my campus too. Two blocks away, trying to find the cure for childhood cancer, and in, in some yeah. form. And I, and hundreds of people a month email me, and I teach people to lift dumbbells, right? Like, <laughs> let's put it in perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I get it. Well, and it's funny too. I've had this conversation. It's like uh, you know, you think about something like basketball. It's like if you were born 120 years ago this didn't exist. It's, it's, a, it's a made up game. Um, but yet yeah. we hold them in such high regard and you're just going guys like it. Look, let's just put it in perspective. We're entertainers in the sports business hmm. and it's great. And we love it. But yeah. We're just entertainers at the end of the day. Well, I think a lot of people will, will find that perspective probably pretty refreshing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I and I, I honestly I don't know how how like typical that perspective is of, of someone you know to be fair of your stature within that community. So, oh, thanks. You know, I think yeah. I think I think people will enjoy that for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it, we are who we are. Yeah. Well, Cal, man, I I can't thank you enough. This has been awesome. I, I have a whole list of questions that I like. I said I, I could ask you all day, but uh, we'll definitely have you back if you're willing. Um, yeah, I know people are going to get a ton out of this one. Uh, you know, I, I do a segment at the end where I do key takeaways and I think you're going to make it pretty tough for me to <laughs> narrow it down to a couple. Cause this one was pretty awesome. Awesome. Glad you liked it. And, uh, I'll be back. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Cal. Yep. Dad, mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> What's up? What'd you think of the show? 
great show. Good show. Great. <laughs> really, really great stuff, kid. Uh, do you want to tell people that you were nervous or should I just out you? <laughs> I wasn't going on, to. On public radio. Yeah, I was a little nervous. <laughs> well, because I feel like since you discovered Caldeets yeah. a few years ago, you thought he was so... Um, Are you trying word? to dance around calling me a fanboy? <laughs> well, you just thought like his, the concepts were so revolutionary yeah. and like you've, I've heard you talk about him to a bunch of people and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> don't screw this one up because it means a lot. Um, <laughs> I was so excited to have him on the show and I think I told yeah. you and I can't remember if I said it during the show, but when I, when, you know, when I was coming up with this podcast, like he was one of the people in my mind that I had like, no, I know. put in a box. I was like, yeah. I need to have him on here. Yeah. There's been a few of those and a couple of them are coming on in the next few weeks as well. So I'm pumped about some of the guests that we're having, having mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, and he's just a lot of fun to talk to as well. He's so fun to listen to. Yeah. That was one of your favorite things about this. Yeah. I love the way he talks. <laughs> I know. He's just, he just seems like a great guy. Yeah, he's he's like almost like a mad scientist. Like he's got so much going on in his brain. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. he is kind of like a so mad scientist. Well, to and you know, and he, he touched on it a little bit today. But uh, you get this when you read his stuff. Like he's just constantly experimenting. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think he even said, like you know, I'm, uh, yes, I'm familiar with the research. He's like, but this stuff I'm testing out on like hundreds of thousands, you know, hundreds to thousands of athletes. And yeah, finding what works. Programs. Yeah, twelve sports. Can you believe That's that? Crazy. How much time it must take? No. To create these workout programs. Yeah, that's so crazy. And it's funny because, like, when you get to the college level, and you know they're in the Big Ten, which is it's about as big as it gets, really. Mm-hmm. And depending on what sport, like it very well might be. You think that, like, oh no, they're getting such personalized attention. It has to be so tough to give each athlete in each sport, like mm-hmm. personal attention because yeah. you have hundreds of athletes coming through your doors crazy. every day. So crazy. And then on top of that, that's kind of what I was trying to figure out too, is like, how do you do all of that? And then have all these books, he's constantly creating content, you know, yeah. and I, by content, I mean like showing people how to do like his lifts, his techniques. And he just, he's just making it available for everyone. Mm-hmm. And he has books. They're totally worth it. And I've, I think I've made that clear, yeah. but he gives so much away for free, yeah, which is amazing. And I think that's something that like the people who are really great and really do offer a ton of value, like they're willing to give so much away for free. Yeah. And I don't think it works. And then when people yeah. try that, they're like, Oh God, what else does he have? Like mm-hmm. if that was free and that worked, I wonder what, the stuff you got to pay for does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just give him a nibble. (laughs) He said that too. He's not giving the whole kit and caboodle away. (laughs) You know, what's the saying? Don't, uh, the cow thing. (laughs) Are you going to talk about? Oh, are you going to, someone's, are you going to butcher the cow thing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. People know what I'm talking about. Don't give away the milk folks. (laughs) There it is. There it is. Nailed it. So should we roll into our takeaways? Mm hmm. As I said, there were a lot. So it actually, I I was trying to go through and I was trying to trim them down. I think I've got some good ones. So let me get right into it. And the first one said, uh, aptly by the Eagles, take it easy. (laughs) 
So what I mean by that is... Yeah, do tell. <laughs> go on. Everyone's had that point where like they didn't get a great night's sleep or like you're burnt out, you're stressed. And, you know, we've always heard like, hey, push through it. Like that, like I said in the show, that's the day you need the most. And from someone who is an Olympic caliber coach says, no, yeah. <laughs> like he's like, take a step back, back off. Like you actually need the rest. <laughs> you, when we were dating yeah. and um, living in New York, I, I didn't have a doctor in New York. So I still, <laughs> if I got sick, I called my pediatrician from Miami. <laughs> That seems like a good sound born approach. He told me I was sick and I asked him if I should be resting or if I should be working out. And he was like, you should be working out because it'll make you feel better. Well, there's probably, there's probably, yes. Well, but like what Cal would say is like, get a workout in, but do something that's not like really taxing, like do an aerobic workout. Of sorts. And we're going to touch on that. I'm not going to give it all away. Yeah. <laughs> I already learned from my cow <laughs> analogy. But I think that's a big one, right? And like the reality is people have families. They have jobs. Things come up. You don't, you know, like there's mm-hmm. all these things. And like, yes, you if, if every day you're taking off because there's some little hurdle, well, that's not going to move you forward either. But if you feel like, you know, for whatever reason, you wake up that day and you just know you know, you don't have everything in the tank. Don't push it. Like it's better to just like, I always think about it as like, just kind of survive in advance. (laughs) Like, you know, the worst thing you could do is try and push through it and you injure yourself. Cause now how far does that set you back? Mm -hmm. Right. But it's like, look, I know I'm not up to speed today. I'm dehydrated. I, I feel terrible. Like, let me just get something out of this enough that I can like, you know, like to your point, maybe even just feel better, feel more awake, yeah. uh, but not enough that I'm going to like do something detrimental. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's empowering for people, but you got to be smart about it. Cause if you use that as an excuse just to take every day off, then you're kind of missing the point there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, let me kick it to you. Number two, I believe you have a takeaway and it's one that we agreed on. Yeah. We both had the same one. Yeah. I got it. We, uh, we swap it, notes before the show sometimes folks. I hate to. <laughs> I hate to like let you see too far behind the curtain, but go ahead. Um, another thing you said I thought was interesting was aerobic exercise could be anything. You right? just needed to get your heart rate up. I know. And that's, so it's funny. Cause I even just did a post about how I hate cardio. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, well, okay. Let me take a sip. What I said was I hate jogging. Yeah. Cause I do. Uh, now let me take another step back. I don't hate it per se, but like, I, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. And like after a while, like literally, I mean, it makes my lower back tighten up. Like it just like, I don't know. I just don't do well with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear what Cal said, but did you know that? Like, were you aware? No. Yeah. Cause I always just associate cardio with like running, running or jogging. T- yeah. And I think that's what he said too. He was like, who said anything about, aerobics having to do anything with running. Like it's about the heart. Mm -hmm. It's about the heart rate. So that kind of changed my perspective on it. Yeah. And I know you want to make an investment. Oh yeah. I want a heart rate monitor. Yeah. We need to get one. Yeah. I'm just curious to see what I would like to do actually is have you wear the heart rate monitor and then have me walk in the room (laughs) and just see to what extent I still give you butterflies. 
I don't think it's a butterfly monitor. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. <laughs> All right. Well, that actually be a nice market to corner butterfly monitor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that a was a lot of divorces. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So you know what I took from that though too, that was really interesting is like the idea that lifting could be an aerobic workout. Yeah. Right? Love that. And he said, I think everything in his eyes is basically like some sort of interval training, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter. It could be lifting weights. It could be jogging and could be, I don't know, bar. <laughs> <laughs> bar is actually definitely aerobic. Well, we'll get that heart rate monitor. We'll see. But <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I like that. Oh, fasted cardio. Yeah. Another guy. Now who's you have a baby. On board with fasted cardio. Yeah, you have a baby, so you, you, it's probably not. Well, I t- wise. attempted to do fasted cardio right. the last couple of weeks, and I mean there was very various factors, but my milk supply went way way down. Yeah. Geez, so. Sonia, we're trying to talk about fitness, and you're over here talking about your milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that. We're not doing fasted cardio for a while now. Yeah. But I, so I have been doing it, but what I've tried since talking to Cal is not eating the two hours after. Yeah. And it's funny when I, when I am doing more, like he says, like steady state, kind of like more mild cardio, like not just killing myself. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem doing the two hours. That's wild to me, but yeah. Yeah. Well, wild because you know me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do I mean, well I like if I wasn't breastfeeding, I would, I, I do intermittent fasting just naturally. Yeah. So that would be fine for me, but you are, you can't even like nope. look in your direction in nope. the morning if you haven't eaten. The, you need a Snickers commercials yeah. were based loosely off my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was really cool. And I, I think that also will be eye opening for people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to try and do that too. Like, because there are days like actually today, like, no, today I slept well. The day before I did not. And I was planning to work out and I was like, you know what? I just talked to Cal. Don't do my lift today. I feel <laughs> shit. Uh, I should have done a lighter lift now thinking about it and tried out this whole like, you know, lighten up, make it more aerobic in nature. That would have been mm-hmm. cool. Next, On to the next one. Next time. Uh, this one's called Your Feet Stink. <laughs> What I mean to say is your feet are weak. Spring ankle complex. You need to get that in your life. We've been trying this, mm-hmm. right? Because Cal sent it over. It's awesome. It's hard. Yeah, it's so hard. And I don't even it's think like I'm painful. doing it right. <laughs> it is painful. It is painful. Maybe we're not doing it right. Yeah. He's like, no, that's not it. He's like, oh, I sent you the wrong attachment. <laughs> uh, so... But that's interesting too. And it kind of parlay, man, who was it? Was it Joel Smith that brought something similar up? Damn it. I mean, but it makes so much sense. Your feet support your entire body. Yeah. So if they're not strong, Mm -hmm. if you're not actively training them the way you're actively training almost every other part of your body. Right. And on top of that, you're putting them in super comfy, squishy shoes Mm -hmm. just to try and make their life oh so easy. Whereas you're putting every you other are. <laughs> piece of your body through help. Me? I live barefoot, baby. Oh, yeah. no, I just mean like your shoes are comfy. Mine are comfy. <laughs> oh, okay. We're not talking about heels here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Back oh, on track. boy. We got off topic here. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. And, you know, someone else I think mentioned this too. It's like your foot, like whatever force it is you're creating, like the end result is it has to go through your foot. 
basically mm-hmm. to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense, right? It's again, one of those things, like it seems like the whole strength and conditioning world has been missing this by large, you know, mm-hmm. and it, when you hear it, you're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been trying it. I'm going to post it in the show notes um, to describe it for people. It's like he said, it's like five different positions for your foot. And I would also say like angles of like your knee and leg. That's mm-hmm. what I've taken away from it. And yeah. then it's like an isometric Very hold. Specific. Yeah. But man, it's like you're, yes, it's hard on your foot, but like my legs are burning when I do it. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Right. It's really hard. It's legit. So that's a cool one. So, uh, I think there was a lot of stuff in here for folks and we could have talked about like the, uh, I'm going to butcher the word again, the oscillatory isometrics, which are really cool. If you've seen them on a video, mm-hmm. uh, all the stuff about like training, like young athletes, yeah. So if you have a kid, I hope you paid attention to that. The one thing he said is no matter what you do, make it fun. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who was an athlete, someone who has kids, as someone who at one time was, believe it or not, a child. It's like at last week's episode. Yeah. With um, the unstructured play. Or Oh, yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it fun. Like, the, you know, you're worried about a kid burning out. If they're having fun, they're not going to burn out. Yeah. When you start like pushing your agenda on them like that's when they lose it you ain't never had too much fun no <laughs> it's a country song right oh is that a country song yeah. oh i thought you were just i ain't uh, never had too much fun <laughs> <laughs> all right first time i got your pipes on the podcast oh. my, my country man pipes <laughs> i thought i just saw that twinkle in your eye but nope you were just uh have you never heard that song you just wanted to sing a country I'm gonna song play, i'm gonna play that for you later okay cool <laughs> uh, well, this was a really good one and, uh, I'm going to surprise you two weeks in a row. I know who, who next week's guest is. Who is it? Karan Reed. Nice. <laughs> NFL journeyman. He's got a pretty crazy story. It was fun to hear about yeah. it. And from his perspective, because the, <laughs> I, I can't wait for you and everyone else to listen to, uh, some of the things that these NFL teams expect players to be able to come in and do on short notice. Oh, it's, wow. it's crazy. So that's going to be a great one. If you've been listening this whole time, thank you very much. If you haven't yet, please leave us a rating and a review would be greatly appreciated as well. Mm-hmm. And on that note, but we'll I'll see you next nice. week. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Leave that negativity at home <laughs> or at least don't let Apple track it. For goodness sakes. We're trying to grow a podcast people. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good one. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.